Welcome to Social Media Blues, a podcast for those who struggle with social media but can't afford to get out of it. I am your hostess, Elsa Figueroa, and this is today's episode. Hi, welcome to Social Media Blues. Welcome back. It's been quite a long while and I am very sorry about that. Um, nothing major really happened. I just lost my computer in October. It died and then I just fell down this rabbit hole of just technology issues because I already had my process for recording the podcast. I also decided to switch platforms. I was previously hosting my podcast through Blueberry, but I discovered this great new platform called Anchor, and it's really amazing, actually. I was listening to a podcast one day, um, and they advertised this platform, and I decided to check it out, and oh my God, I wish I had discovered it earlier. <laughs> Before I even started my podcast, uh, this is a platform that is available as an application on um, mobile devices, but it's also um, a website and it contains everything, all the tools that you need to record your podcast, edit it, share it on various platforms, and it's completely free. So... Wow. <laughs> I mean, it's it's pretty amazing and it's very intuitive. It's very easy to use. So if you're thinking of starting your own podcast or you already have one, then I think you should seriously consider Anchor. Anyway, this is not sponsored. It's just this tool is really amazing. But in that process... Um, I just got really caught up in the maelstrom of the end of the year and all the things that were happening at the same time. And it just took me a lot longer to get back to this than I wanted. I've been itching to record again and get back in social media blues because I love it here. I love doing this. I love sharing my thoughts about social media and putting them out in the world. So here I am. So now we're on Anchor, and Anchor allows us to syndicate the podcast basically to several different platforms at the same time. So we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Radio Public, um, Google. I, I'm not sure what the podcast app for Google is called, but um, yeah, that one. <laughs> so I'm really happy. I'm really excited about this. I, I think that this will be able to reach more people. And the point of this is to really start conversations, to really continue trying to connect to more people about the issues that I want to bring up regarding social media and uh, promotion and promotion on social media with, you know, other people. So um, I've been doing a lot of introspection, a lot of reflection about my relationship with social media and not just social media, but really business, finances, creativity, art projects. And I have started the year 2020 with the very focused goal of trying to develop a better relationship, a more positive relationship with these um, areas of my life, right? So I feel like 
in the past I've been in this space of struggle with various aspects like finances or doing my chores or you know productivity all those things and now I want to have a more positive experience in general with everything and that requires major mindset mindset shifts one of the things that I really want to develop a more positive relationship with is social media because um, the the point of this platform, the po- point of this podcast is to talk about how social media can be both beneficial and also intrusive <laughs> into our lives, but at the same time, it's not like we can just put it out, as, aside, especially if you're trying to market your business or service, then it's kind of a necessary evil, quote unquote, but at the same time, how can we have a better experience of it? How is it possible to have a better experience with social media while you're also trying to promote yourself and also trying to maintain a sense of balance and a sense of self-care around social media? Because there's many pitfalls and there's many dangers to our mental health around social media. And when you're someone who can't say, okay, I'm just going to walk away from it all because you're trying to promote your business or your service, then how can you have that more positive and balanced relationship? And one of the things I, I um, started doing First of all, I joined uh, the social media challenge and I really love it because it's just once a week, it's just one post a week. So it's extremely manageable to have all week to complete the assignment. And I love the prompts. I really, really, really love the way that this has been done. It's called hashtag social uh, dancers on social challenge. And it's it was created by at kind violet on Instagram and mostly it's from the US tribal fusion community but um, well maybe I shouldn't say tribal fusion because the belly dance tribal fusion community is changing its name but um, that's not the topic of this podcast um, I joined that specific podcast that has to do with belly dancers on social media and I really am I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm loving the prompts. And I came in committed to not only post, but also to engage with other people. And that is the main thing that I have started to pick up on recently regarding social media. It's that I'm not there to just be looked at and quote unquote consumed. I'm also there to interact and communicate with others. And when it becomes a social (laughs) experience, a social tool, you're socializing, then it's a little bit easier. And you're only interacting and engaging with the things that are actually interesting to you. You're only posting comments on the things that you actually care about. But before, I would have this attitude of like, oh, really love that. But I wouldn't necessarily say anything. I wouldn't necessarily comment. So now I'm like, no, I really enjoyed that. Um, Or I liked this quality about this post. I'm going to comment on that. I don't care who it is. Um, I'm just going to comment on it. And 
People respond very positively, especially when you are positive, right? I, I tend to not like um, to leave negative comments of any sort um, because I don't think social media is the medium for that. It's not about having this mindset that, oh, everything is peachy. But um, I just don't think that social, social media or like Instagram or Facebook are the best platforms for discussing complex social issues. Um, I generally, especially on Instagram, where you're just, you know, scrolling through videos and photos. I mean, people might say problematic things, but I, I don't generally come across those things. So from the accounts that I follow and if I find something problematic, I, I tend to just unfollow. Um, but in any in any case, I am trying to be more open and trying to be more communicative with other people on social media and people that inspire me, people that are doing things that I find inspiring, that I find important and meaningful. So um, that's one thing that I'm doing. I um, just commenting more and interacting more and just engaging more with other people and you know following more accounts people that I that I like uh, what they're doing so that's one thing so I encourage you if you're struggling to see not only to to see your numbers grow but also to just feel motivated to be on social media then try to engage with the people that do inspire you. Don't just, you know, post a random comment and some random account just to get people's attention. Do comment and interact with the people who are inspiring to you. If you saw something that really, really moved you or really, you know, made you feel something, <laughs> then please leave a comment, let them know, and DM them even. Um, I've started doing this more. I, I wasn't a DMer at all. Like I, I just didn't see it as a form of communication. Um, I had a very strict separation between you know my friends and random strangers on the internet, but now I'm starting to be a little bit more open if I find an account that has very inspiring content to me and the content is meaningful, like for example, some a dancer that I find inspiring, then I will send them a message and let them know how much I love their content. And I have received messages of this kind before and it's very rewarding. Like you feel like, okay, I'm, I'm making an impact somehow, even if it's just one person Whatever I'm putting out there is is making sense to this person. So um, that helps. So this idea of inspiring others too is very rewarding. Um, recently, I've been told by a handful of people that something I said or something I did was very inspiring to them. And I found that extremely moving because I wasn't thinking of you know anything like that. I was just doing my thing. And a couple of people have, have come to me and said like, oh, um, this thing that you did or this thing that you said really moved me and inspired me. And I'm just repeating what has worked for me, what has made me feel better in times of doubt and, and um, you know, despair. 
somebody sending me a kind message or sending, you know, showering some um, appreciation on me has been very helpful to move me forward, right? So I'm reciprocating that, that, that gesture and it's really helpful. It really works. So I encourage you to just show your appreciation. Don't overdo it. Just really be genuine and, and interact with the people that really move you and inspire you. So I'm starting to reframe social media in that way, um, kind of reframing it as a tool that helps me communicate effectively with my community. So um, I think previously I had had this mindset of just like, okay, this promotional thing that doesn't communicate, doesn't interact with, with others, like a one-way street, right? So, so in a way, I was viewing marketing on social media as old marketing media, like a billboard. A billboard just shouts something at you and you don't get to comment back to it. But the beauty about social media for marketing purposes is that you get to talk, um, to have a conversation with your audience. So if somebody has thoughts or questions about what you're sharing, they are able to do that. So they're able to share those thoughts. So this is the benefit. And even though it's kind of super evident, I hadn't really been using it that way. And I'm trying to be more open, trying to be more conversational in my um, content and just kind of checking back in with people and just doing follow-up. So the reason why I hadn't done it before wasn't because I didn't want to talk to people, but because I saw my time on social media as just a little bit disruptive, right? So... And this is why it's very important to create that sort of separation between your time spent um, as a user, just you know, consuming social media, and your time spent as a marketer, right? So I've decided that I'm going to devote two hours a day, Monday through Friday, to social media, whatever that is, two hours, whatever it is whatever that is, if it's to keep up with my content schedule or to check in with any comments or messages that have been sent or to just, you know, look at the stats, whatever it is that I need, it's going to be those two hours. And when I create my daily schedule, I'm going to budget two hours of my day to social media. It doesn't have to be two hours in a row. It can just be 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there. But it's focused time that I've budgeted specifically, that I've set aside specifically to look at my social media marketing. During that time, I'm not allowed to mindlessly scroll through my feed. So that is what I cannot do. I'm simply on my Instagram and Facebook um, for my, uh, my business, Instagram and Facebook accounts, and I'm doing something, editing a video, posting um, some sort of content, creating a story, recording a video, doing a live video, um, creating some sort of graphic image, something. I'm doing something related to my social media content. No mindless scrolling. 
The mindless scrolling is separate. So that's for another time. If you want to set aside 15 minutes a day or 30 minutes a day for mindless scrolling and consuming and, you know, chatting with your friends, then that's separate. So that's what I'm trying to do, kind of trying to create that risk so that the social media marketing time is work. It's not just, you know, fun entertainment. <laughs> it can be entertaining. It's it's fun. It's creative work, but it's not. It's it is work. So kind of creating that separation. Um, so also understanding that um, whatever it is that I am doing right now is is attracting people. Like I am attracting people already. I am attracting the types of customers that I want just not enough of them. So not as many as I would like. So the point now is to keep doing it and to redouble my effort. So um, the other day I was listening to this podcast that I listened to and I've talked about before um, called Unfuck Your Brain. And she was saying um, something very simple. She was talking to a client that she was coaching and she said that, this client wanted to get two new coaching clients per month and she only got one got one and the client was very disappointed because she wanted two clients per month and she only got one so basically after coaching her she arrived at the conclusion that she that what she's doing it's working is just enough to get one client so now she needs to do double in order to get two clients so um just kind of thinking about this idea that I just need to keep doing everything that I'm doing and trying to do more. This is why I'm trying to budget two hours per day. Not trying. I am budgeting two hours per day, Monday through Friday, to just social media, whatever it is that I need to do on social, because that is part of my doubling my efforts. Before, I used to think, okay, I'm going to take three hours one day to do everything I need for social and then I would burn myself out and I wouldn't even finish everything. So now instead of trying to do everything one day, I'm going to do a little bit every day. And that's how I'm doing my chores at home too. And it's working better for me instead of trying to do everything in one batch once a week, I'm doing a little bit every day. That works better for me. Other people work differently, but for me doing a little bit every day, throughout time is a lot more manageable because I'm also trying to do a lot of different things at the same time. So that seems much more, um, it just is, it just seems easier for me. It's more manageable. It works for me. Um, obviously if something different works for you, then, you know, do that. But for me doing 15, even 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there is much more productive for me than trying to sit down and do three hours of very focused work. Sometimes that works, it depends on the project, but in general, I like to do a little bit at a time. So um, I just have to keep doing what I'm doing and stop, you know, second guessing everything because that's something I've done before and I wasted a lot of time second guessing and trying to okay this strategy didn't work so I'm going to try a new strategy and I didn't even allow the first strategy to 
take root and have time to develop. You know, things take time. You try something for three months or six months and then see what the results are and gather information. Some things work, some things didn't work. But if I'm constantly second guessing, like, I don't know if this is the right approach on day three, then, you know, that's not, this is not helpful at all. So I'm just going to keep doing what I'm, what I'm doing. I'm going to keep learning and I'm going to keep revising and refining the process. And eventually I'll gain more clarity and I will see what works and what doesn't. And that's it. It's kind of trial and error with this, but I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. I think right now consistency and, and quantity and you obviously focusing on quality as well. I would going to take me where I want to go. So. Um, so yes, this is what I am planning on doing to develop a more positive relationship with social media. So basically socialize, see it as work, like budgeting time for this and it is work and it is work because it directly translates to more customers. So obviously I need to invest time if I don't want to invest money hiring a social media manager, I need to invest time in order to do it myself and I need to get serious and get consistent. So um, I have the tools, I have the ideas and I have the knowledge. I just need to keep coming back and doing it over and over and over again until I get really good at it. And um, just getting rid of this binary thinking of, oh, it's either super negative and just really toxic for you or it's really great it's neither it's just a tool and it is what it is and you learn to use it and i personally try to use it in an ethical responsible way i try not to be manipulative i try you know not to use messaging that goes against my values so that's kind of what i what i try to do but in general, it's just about coming back and staying consistent and being really, really, being really focused on the work that you're trying to do. Um, just making space for it, right? I think that before I was judging myself because like, oh, I'm, I'm spending all this time on social media. Yeah, but I'm, I'm working. So that's, that's kind of like the mindset shift that I needed to do. Anyway, so that's going to be all for today. Um, I hope this has been helpful somehow. I know that a lot of the things I said are super obvious, like socializing or making it about work. But I, I, I may have known it intellectually before, but I wasn't really fully aware of these things. And now I'm changing my mindset around social media and trying to have a better more positive relationship with it and with myself around it and I think that it's gonna be much better in the future check in next week for another episode of social media blues and let me know what you think remember you can email me at socialmediabluespodcast at gmail.com um, also on instagram I'll be um, sharing more over there I'll be going back to my tuesday blues series so don't miss that Remember to follow me on Instagram and social media blues. Take care and have a wonderful rest of the week. Bye. Hi, welcome back. How are you?
Welcome back to Social Media Blues. And it's kind of a slow start here. It's been kind of a slow start to 2020, but I feel like I'm finally getting in the groove of things, that things are starting to finally move forward. So hopefully um, all the projects are going to see much more momentum in the next few weeks and months. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited to see how everything just kind of flourishes and blossoms and new connections and new opportunities and new ideas will come to fruition. There's a lot of stuff in the works for me. So um, right now is my time to really dive deep into my creative projects and just kind of burst through any resistance and turn up internal blocks and obstacles and limiting beliefs. I feel like I've done a lot of work in those departments over the past few years and I just feel like I just need to go for it. So we'll see what happens in 2020, but I'm, I'm really excited about it. Um, and I've also come to a place of understanding um, how to manage my time and energy and my focus better. I, I've gained a lot of clarity about my internal processes and emotions and about my relationship with anxiety and how my certain certain specific thoughts were fueling my anxiety. So I think that that clarity is going to help me move forward as well with the projects. And that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today. Um, the topic for today is how to build breaks into your schedule, however crazy or however chill it is, um, and the importance of those breaks. So I wanted to start with a story about um, my time as an undergraduate student in college. Um, so I remember when I was in my undergraduate degree, I was very organized. I was extremely disciplined and very sort of very rigid and harsh with my my time. I was very hard on myself. I was extremely hard on myself and I've softened over the years, but I, I remember that period as being one of the worst in terms of how hard I was on myself. And I used to have this really crazy schedule. I had 15 credits, so five classes, and I was working part-time, maybe 30 hours a week. So I would go to school during the day, then go home in the afternoon and shower, have dinner, and then go to work for four hours and then go home and get up at like, I don't know, 4.30 in the morning because my first class was at 7 a.m. And I wanted to get in a workout in before going to school. So I had to get up at like 4.15, 4.30, work out in my bedroom and then um, shower, have breakfast, prep my lunch, pack my lunch. And I had to leave an hour early. So by I had to be out of the house by 6 a.m. So I could take the bus and be, be at school by 7 a.m. So um, because I didn't have a lot of money and because I didn't have a car, I also had to plan and organize things in a certain way so as to have that, you know, that control over things. 
So I would always pack my lunch and I would always take the bus. And I was very rigorous about my study schedule. So um, during my classes, I would, of course, get like homework or reading assignments or whatever. And so I would budget my time quite perfectly <laughs> during the rest of the week so I could get everything done. And then Sundays, I usually would clean my bedroom completely, change the sheets, and I would pick out my outfits for the week. My closet was color coordinated, like it was at that extreme. I was that girl with the crazy color coordinated closet and the binder with like everything perfectly divided <laughs> and everything in absolute perfect order and a very tidy bedroom. That was me back in college. And it's very interesting because for a lot of people, it's how it all happens in reverse. Their time in college is when they're the, the messiest and then they get a little bit more organized as time goes on. I was extremely rigid and extremely tidy and organized when I was in college. And then I had to loosen up over the years. And I say I had to, <laughs> and I will explain why. So with this schedule, um, I was extremely unhappy. I was not tired all the time, but I was very anxious a lot of time. That's when I started dealing with anxiety um, more, in a more, um, I guess, obvious manner. I guess I had anxiety before uh, or things that I can identify as the first inklings of anxiety when I was in school or high school. But during college, it really broke. And um, I remember trying to go to bed at like 10 a.m. because I have to get up at 4 and do it all over again. And I was extremely anxious. So that's when I started looking into calming techniques, right? So I would go to the bookstore and I'd get a pick a book with techniques to calm yourself down and that's kind of when I started delving into that and started to use a little bit of yoga for um, anxiety and to calm my mind and and also uh, breathing techniques right meditation breathing etc that's kind of when I started delving into that because I was looking for tools to manage my anxiety and I remember by the time Friday rolled around, I was always a freaking mess. I would have these crying fits. I would just kind of completely fall apart from being so completely disciplined and so completely controlling with my time and also with what I ate because I have always been trying to lose weight and so all bundled up into all my ideas about discipline and study and work, I also have to be, or had to be at the time, very controlling with my food and my exercise. So basically, if I look back at that time, I what I realized is that I was constantly punishing myself because I had these self-esteem issues and self-image issues that were kind of out of control and definitely worthy of therapy but it wasn't therapy wasn't something that was part of my life or it wasn't something that was easily available or even talked about even though you know I it was the early 2000s when I was going to college but I feel that if I would were going to college now 
if I was younger now, then I definitely would have more access to the idea of having a therapist. I don't know. So just it wasn't something that was readily available in the environment I was in, or I didn't see myself as someone who needed therapy because the issues that I was dealing with were not um, what was normally considered something that you discuss in therapy, right? I had this false belief that my problem was that I wasn't disciplined enough, that I wasn't worthy, that I wasn't enough, period. And just, I had to be more all the time and I had to do more and absorb more and learn more and do more and accomplish more. And of course, that's never enough, right? So um, these are the just the darkest bits of my imposter syndrome um, back when I was in, in college. And I, I was in my early 20s. And yet I, I didn't have a lot of responsibilities. I had part-time jobs through college, but and there were semesters when I wasn't even working. And so I could have been more relaxed. I always took on a heavy um, load, uh, academic load, but... I mean, it was perfectly manageable. And I think my problem back then is that it's something that I still struggle with to this day, which is the belief that by default, anything I attempt, I'm going to fail at. And so I must work extra hard, harder than everybody else in order to prevent that from happening because everybody's got it together, everybody's got it figured out, and I'm the only one that if I don't put in extra hours, more work than everybody else, I'm definitely going to fail. That is insanity. That is complete insanity. And there's a lot of of evidence, of course, to prove the contrary. But that is deep down what I believed. Of course, I didn't know this. I wasn't aware that that was the ultimate belief. But looking back, that's definitely what happened. So for example, when a semester, new semester rolled around, it was the first day of class, we just got our syllabi, and we were looking at the requirements for the courses, and for example, there would be a project or a big paper or something, and my first thought would be, I'm going to mess that up. That is my, the first thing I always thought, I'm going to mess that project up. I'm going to be the one to deliver it very late or not at all. I mean, I'm just going to fail. So I had to start working right then and there on the project that wasn't due until two months later. <laughs> or I had to start reading that novel and just break it down by chapter and I have to read five chapters per day or something so that I could make it. Um, So it was this belief, basically, that I was an abject failure as a human being, that I was completely incompetent, and that I couldn't handle anything. So I needed to extra prepare and be extra careful because my lazy ass was going to mess it up. Those were the beliefs. And people who know me very well, who have studied with me, who have gone to school with me, who have worked with me, who have seen me work, would be (laughs) screaming (laughs) about how crazy I even was to think that because that's exactly not who I am or who I project um, to the world, but that is 
how I saw myself. Okay, so it's kind of like someone who has an eating disorder and they look themselves in the mirror and they're extremely skinny, they're emaciated and they still see themselves as fat. It was that completely distorted self-image around work and discipline and organization. And I still have remnants of that even today. And I have this awareness now. So that's why I am able to work with it better. But I do have these tendencies as well. I do still have a distorted self-image in that regard. And, you know, many times I've looked back at that time and I, I, I wish, part of me wishes that I had been a little bit more relaxed I loved my university. I went to the University of Puerto Rico for my undergrad studies. It's a gorgeous campus in uh, Rio Piedras in San Juan. And it's, I went to the humanities faculty. I loved my, um, my, my professors. I loved my courses. I loved everything I was learning. I was a huge geek. I loved my classmates. I absolutely adored the time that I spent there. But I wish that I could have been more relaxed, that I could have chilled more because I could have had an easier time. I would have perhaps discovered new things and made connections with more ease. And, you know, even during the summers when I wasn't taking courses, I think I only took one summer course um, throughout my undergrad. And sometimes I was working and there were a couple summers there when I wasn't really doing anything. I wasn't going to school. I wasn't working. And did I relax? Hell no. I would anxiously keep a study schedule through the summer that I created for myself that I was the only one who did that. I did this on several occasions. I would develop um, very strict reading or study schedules because I felt that I wasn't enough. So I needed more, 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 more all the time. So... Even though being disciplined um, has been, with my scheduling, has been um, a very, and being self-motivated, has been a highly valuable skill. As a freelance professional, life has also taught me the the limitations of such an approach. The difficult part of scheduling and organizing your own time and being quote-unquote disciplined is that one needs to balance discipline with self-acceptance and acceptance and surrender. You need to be willing to flow with the changes and quickly shift strategies if something you had planned for falls through for whatever reason. For example, you had planned this meeting that you had with this person that you really need to, uh, someone you really need to talk to, and they cancel on you for whatever reason, well, you need to, okay, so what do I do with this time now? Um, One must push forward and show up, but also listen to one's body, right? So it's quite an art, and I realize that it's something that I'm still very much in the process of learning. It's interesting because on my YouTube feed recommendations, I get a lot of my morning routine and how to get up at 5 a.m. every day and how to get organized, those types of videos, um, video recommendations on my feed. 
I'm not sure why the algorithm thinks I'm still interested because I never watch those. Just the thought of even looking at them gives me anxiety. I'm simply not interested in, in other people's routines. And the reason is that the circumstance, circumstances of each person's life are different, right? So I don't aspire to emulate somebody else's routine because then it just makes me feel bad about my own or makes me question it too much. I need to find what works for me. And one thing that gets me often in these routine videos or how to organize yourself videos is that people sometimes admire, you know, these persons that are showing their, there's like a weird noise coming from the air conditioner, strange, anyway. So, um, you, these people are often very, you know, very admirable. But I feel like that some information is missing, to be honest. Like, well, even when people say, this is honestly my morning routine, like, come on, that's, that still feels edited and curated. And <laughs> the reason why is actually not because they're eating super healthy food or shown cooking or making, you know, green smoothies or whatever, but because their apartments and their kitchens are always quite impeccable. I, I have yet to, you know, I, I don't watch those a lot, but when, whenever, you know, something comes up um, on autoplay or whatever, um, and, and I get a sneak peek of the person's house, it's always very beautiful. And they always have like this very comfy kitchens with lots of counter space. And everything is just perfect and very nice. And there's not a lot of crap on the countertops. And uh, everything just looks so freaking clean. And more than focusing on whatever vegetables they're chopping or their smoothie recipe, I'm looking at their perfectly tidy homes. And... Sometimes they never even talk about their cleaning schedule when they're talking about their weekly or their daily schedules. I spend about 45 minutes, maybe sometimes 30 minutes a day working on house chores, doing dishes, cooking, cleaning litter, dealing with laundry, whatever else. And my house looks not tidy, not impeccable, okay? Um, if I wanted it to be squeaky clean like that, I'd probably have to throw in an extra three hours, at least three or four hours per week without counting grocery shopping and cooking. Um, so when these people talk about, oh, this is my workout schedule, this is my cooking schedule, this is my work schedule, whatever. And I'm like, how do you have time to do all those things so perfectly? Because going to the gym for an hour and then going to the studio working on class teaching class or whatever or cleaning the studio that takes up a lot of physical energy for me so that's not a lot of physical energy i have left over for chores and chores do take up a lot of physical energy as well so i'm not sure how people budget their times in those videos their time in those videos because everything looks so nice and tidy but okay, that's fine. Um, I think that the, my point in saying all this is that 
again, each person's circumstances are different. And there are people who have structures in their life that allow them to not have to worry about other things. Like, for example, you're not, you have um, some sort of financial security for whatever reason, um, even if it's you have some savings or you didn't have to, you know, spend on student loans because your parents helped you through college or whatever reason, your spouse makes more money or you don't have to pay a lot of rent or anything else, then that's more t mental time and energy that you have for other things, okay? So this is why I don't like those videos so much. Um, when you're keeping house, tracking finances, doing invoicing, communicating with clients, doing promotion, planning, teaching, cooking, working out, etc., there's going to be some areas that are going to need to be more slack, uh, more, more flexible than others, I'd say. So your standards have to go down in one of those areas. In my case, I've chosen to lower my standards when it comes to the home. Even though my home is not in a state that I would prefer, I would much prefer to live in a perfectly tidy, impeccable apartment like the ones in those YouTube videos, I... Uh, have kind of made my peace with like I'm gonna do as much as I can whatever I can to keep everything in order and at some point I will be able to do more but right now I this is this is what I can handle right now okay given that I don't get a lot of help um, like I'm the one doing everything so I just decided that okay these are the standards and if somebody doesn't like it they can come help me clean my house so um so yeah that's that's another thing so the structures that other people have so that's the first step i guess in in being more organized in a way because you have to understand what your priorities are and what you're really willing to put your time and energy and focus into. For me, it's highly important that I develop my businesses and my creative projects that I keep pushing them forward. I feel like I've put many creative projects on hold for many years and I'm not willing to do that anymore. I'm not willing to wait until my house is magically tidy and until I pay off my debt to start writing and to start pushing forward certain projects, I decided that I was tired of putting my creative projects on hold. And so to for the benefit of um, my career or other things, so um, I said, no, that this is gonna be my priority now. And I also have to keep my translation clients happy because that is how I make my living. So those are my priorities. And I um, also want to keep developing my studio and also develop myself personally, physically. So my time to go to the gym, to train, to take classes, etc., is very important to me. So that means I'm going to have less physical energy, less mental energy, and less time to work on other things like keeping my house magazine worthy but that's what's important to me other people are very interested in having a very tidy home and so they will put in more effort so i think that's just a matter of our individual priorities and preferences and the circumstances of our lives so in my case, I, have, I might have a bit more flexibility and time than if I had a nine to five job, 
but then I have to track and take care of more things as well. So for example, someone who has a nine to five, they go to their job and they do the job, but then they don't have to worry about all the aspects of the business, right? So if you got hired to be a marketing manager or a graphic designer, then you don't have to worry about sales or invoicing or taxes or legal or whatever else or stocking up in product. You can just focus on your job. I have to do all of those things. So it's important to realize that and understand that. And again, these are the individual circumstances of each person's lives, right? Um, so given that, it's important to realize what things are a priority, what things aren't, and to build bricks in every day, just to integrate breaks, as many breaks as you can fit, and to not underestimate your need to take breaks, to just kind of breathe and not focus your mind on something every second of every day because that leads to burnout take it from me i'm the burnout queen um i was going through burnout looking back i was going through burnout every single week because when i was going to college like i said every friday i remember i would fall apart i was a mess um fridays usually were the day when i wasn't in school all day I usually had one or two classes and I had the rest of the day if I was working at the time I would maybe go to work in the evening sometimes I, I didn't so that was the time when I would go out with my friends and do something fun and I'd just cry and cry a lot and I was just like so stressed from holding everything in throughout the entire week so it's important to just kind of flow more um, throughout the day and throughout the week rather than just just hold everything in and then explode at some point. So the way to do this again is to establish those priorities and to decide this is what I'm going to get done today. This is what I absolutely need to get done. And then from build up from there, right? So not think about scheduling every second of every day ambitiously. Just scheduling first the things that absolutely need to get done and then work around that on all the other things that are added. This involves things that are one-time things. Like for example, I need to go to the post office to mail this envelope. That's a one-time thing versus habits. I need to go to the gym or I need to cook dinner. These are things that need to get done always or every day or on a schedule that you've decided. So um, that that's already there as part of your priorities, right? And then around those times, build in buffer time. And this is a very crucial element that sometimes we forget when we're trying to do our to-do lists or our, our, our list of things for the day. We don't budget time for each task and we don't build in buffer time. And I think the best tool to getting quote-unquote organized is to decide to be really honest, to be really honest about how long it takes you to do things. If you have to go to the post office 
to mail that envelope, anticipate that it's going to take you, if it's going to take you, if you think it's going to be 15 minutes, budget 30. And that way, what that does is that it creates this sense of ease to your day. So you don't have to have, I only have 15 minutes to do this. And then you're like fuming when you get there and there's a long line and you hate everybody. Instead, you have a little bit more time and you can just kind of enjoy. It's a mindset thing, right? It's kind of a, a mental trick to trick yourself into feeling at ease. And so, for example, going to the gym for me is not a one-hour thing, right? I try to spend about exactly one hour at the gym, but um, I also have to think about the time that it takes me to get dressed and get there. So I'm not going to say it's one hour. I'm going to say it's about an hour and a half at least, right? So that way I get dressed, I get ready, I grab my stuff and I get in the car and I drive there with all the ease in the world (laughs) because now I can drive (laughs) and then I go to the gym and I'm not rushing through the whole experience. Um, And again, this, this all depends on your schedule, right? If you have a rigid schedule established by your job and then you work around that as well but I think it applies even there because a lot of people I hear a lot of people talk about how they just kind of roll out of bed and you know get dressed brush their teeth whatever and grab a cup of coffee and get in the car and that would stress me out so much when I was working um, more regular traditional nine to five I would much prefer to get up earlier and just have time in the morning to just sort of wake up. Even if it's hard to wake up and you want to sleep a little bit longer, I think it, it's a lot better to just get up earlier and just go about the day with ease. It really sucks, at least in my experience, to get out of bed and have to immediately rush and think about 10,000 things and worry that I'm forgetting something at home. Um, I feel that it's so much better when you have the time to get out of bed, maybe stretch a little, brush your teeth, go to the bathroom, take a shower if you need to, make coffee, make breakfast even, you know, and just kind of go about it with ease. And I think that's what built-in breaks are for. They are for developing this sense of ease around your tasks. So if something's going to take an hour, maybe building an hour and a half, etc. And if you finish in 45 minutes, that means that you have that extra time to do something unexpected or, you know, an unexpected break. And when you do have those unexpected breaks, then don't immediately worry and rush to the next thing. Maybe just give yourself that time to do nothing or to read a book or to go for a stroll. And I think that creates a better quality of experience and a better quality of existence. And in the end, maybe you go take a stroll and you run into someone and you have a conversation and they mention something that solves some problem for you. Or do you just have this nice experience of talking to someone and have those little unexpected moments throughout the day that make everything much more enjoyable 
and ultimately make you feel like you are a human being and not a robot going out accomplishing things. Thank you very much for listening. Remember that you can find me on Instagram at Social Media Blues. And also, if you have any questions, recommendations, whatever you will need to share, you can send me an email to socialmediablues at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye.